Hello and welcome to the Reorg Europe podcast. It's Thursday, March the 31st. I'm Richard Woolley, editor in Reorg's London office, and this week I'm going to be speaking to my fellow editor Robert Schack about the uh, reopening or possible reopening of the European primary market. I'm also going to be speaking to EMEA Covenant's senior paralegal Aaron Spence about his piece on trends in double B bonds in 2021. Hi Rob, uh, thanks for joining me and uh, nice to see you face to face for a change. Um, so we've seen um, a, a kind of a slight return to activity in the primary market after the uh, invasion of Ukraine really kind of put a stop to things earlier in the year. I remember the beginning of February, um, there was a, it seems like a long time ago now when we had you know, 23 and a half billion uh, euro equivalent in the market. We're a far cry from that at the moment, but I suppose uh, everyone really wants to know, um, is the market reopening? Hi Richard. Uh, yeah, so basically there are definitely some signs of that happening. Um, it also started last week. Um, we had a couple of deals coming from split-rated issuers, so largely still IG, but a bit of crossover to, to some high-yield funds. Um, and then we also had several um, add-ons, so there were two loan add-ons and, and, and two bond add-ons as well. Okay, and who were these issuers? So the split rate deals they comprised a Finnish nuclear power company TBO, which um, brought a 600 million five-year senior unsecured bond, paying 2.625 percent, um, and that was run out of its EMTN program. And then we also had a, an, a debut issuer, Italian REIT uh, Immobiliare Grande Distribuzione, um, which specialised in shopping centres and retail galleries, and it brought an inaugural five-year senior unsecured 350 million bond uh, to fund green projects. Um, as I mentioned, both those desks were run out of uh, uh, the IG desks, but we did have a, um, a handful of uh, proper leverage loans. So um, these comprised, um, on the loan side, Netherlands headquartered life sciences company Barents and education group Infinitus Learning, and on the bond side, Italian consultancy business integration partners and Spanish travel software group Amadeus. Okay, so um, not, a, not a shortage of, of issues necessarily. What's, what's the response to the deals been like so far? Um, it was a bit mixed. It was clearly encouraging to see some activity again, but uh, the way some of the deals struggled also showed that market conditions are still pretty challenging. So TBO did pretty well. Um, it managed to upsize its deal by 100 million euros. Um, however, Immobiliara ended up postponing um, its issue this week. Um, it, it, it launched last week, but on Monday they effectively pulled the deal after having set initial price talk in the notes for the, in the 4% area. Um, and then the uh, loans and bonds were all existing issuers, and those were all pre-placed with, um, with existing uh, um, investors um, as well, which made it a bit easier for the leads. But they all had to come um, with slightly wider ORDs than usual, um, some of them ranging as wide as 98. And has this encouraged any other issuers to start uh, you know, poking their heads above the parapet? Um, not many. So after Immobiliaro decided to scrap the deal on Monday, um, that likely deterred some of the other potential issuers. They did, there was one other um, split-rated deal. Selnex priced 1 billion euros of four-year issuance under its EMTN program. Um, that came at 98.932 um, with a coupon of 2.25%. However, the market still looks far less receptive for um, proper leverage deals. Enquest launched an exchange offer following a non-deal roadshow earlier this week instead of coming out with a full refi. And this is an issuer that's currently benefiting from the the recent oil price surge. Um, and then we also had an, another loan deal, uh, Cognita priced 180 million add-on to its 2025 TLB. But in this case, the OID was not disclosed, so that deal probably came quite wide. Okay. 
Um, so where does all this leave us then and, and what do you think it means for other companies that need to access the market? So I think the, the, the notable thing is that these were all existing issuers um, and that the, the leads effectively pre-placed most of these deals rather than actually going on, a, on an official roadshow. So what it means is no one has properly tested the market yet. Um, and as such, it's probably too early to say it's, it's, it's really reopened. I mean, the market may not fully reopen until after Easter unless um, macro, macroeconomic sentiment uh, improves considerably and there's some more signs of risk appetite uh, returning in global markets. And then once the market does reopen again, we'll probably initially see some sort of strong double B issuance. And if that goes well, um, then issuers will probably kind of start coming through in the, in the, in the single B space. Um, and then hopefully also some more debut issuers. We, we, do, we do still have a pretty good slate. Um, UK supermarket group WM Morrison's buyout debt for its uh, buyout by CDNR is, uh, is pending. Um, and also Unilever's tea business Ecoterra, which was sold to CBC for 4.5 billion euros. And then, of course, everyone's closely following the, the bidding war for UK pharmacy chains Boots. Um, and if Walgreen, the sponsor, does manage to sell that, then um, that would definitely result in a jumbo deal as well, given that the price tag has been mooted around 7 billion sterling. I mean, are there any issuers who have been badly affected by the delay, you know, who, may, who have maybe missed their window? Uh, definitely, that's been a, um, a real headache for a handful of issuers with uh, with upcoming maturities. Um, probably a notable one is Keta, the um, uh, the, the resin-based um, furniture maker, which did try to come at the beginning of the year with a roughly $1.1 billion um, equivalent deal. Um, they pulled at the time because they weren't happy with the pricing, but that might now seem like a, um, a miscalculation given that the maturities are due in 2023, so there's not a huge amount of time left. Um, so they're going to have to hope that the market does reopen. Um, what's also difficult for, for in the case of Keta is that um, it's going to be under significant margin pressure given the direction of the oil price. So that might make a deal now even more difficult. Um, it'll might have to come with a, a slightly different structure um, to, to kind of facilitate a deal getting done there. Then there's a few other sort of deals that, that do need to come, um, which we, we've mentioned in the past before. Um, Matalan is definitely trying to do a last-ditch attempt to, to, to refinance before resorting to an alternative such as an A&E. Um, Refinery Hyder is also um, clearly um, ready to test the market as soon as it reopens to try and get its refi done as well. The EMEA Covenants team's Market Maker database is a comprehensive tool for studying bond documentation and covenants. And I caught up with the senior paralegal on the team, Aaron Spence, to give me a bit of an overview of the latest piece that he's published off the back of that data, looking at trends in double B bonds in 2021. Hello, Richard. Welcome to join. Uh, so by the term I mean by double B rated, I'm referring to any bond issued on the European high yield market that's been given at least one double B rating from either S&P, Moody's or Fitch. 2021 was obviously a very strong year for activity in the European high yield market. In our market maker database, we tracked around about 170 deals, of which about 67 were double B rated. So they represented about 40% of the overall European market. Okay, and looking against uh, 2020 figures, uh, how does it stack up? Well, obviously the number of issuances were up due to increased market activity. The double B shares of the market overall actually fell compared to 2020. 2020 had about roughly half of the whole European market, whereas I said previously, 2021 had about 40%. Okay. And when you look at the double B space as a whole, who were the main players 
in the European market last year? Sector-wise, there was real no surprises here. Um, your majority of the issues were from technology, media and telecoms, services, paperboard and packaging, manufacturing, power and energy and real estate. So these um, issues from those sectors approximately took about 50% of the market. More interestingly though, when we look at um, countries-wise, the UK and companies from the United Kingdom with their majority of their operations there represented about a third of issuers on the double B market. And with the next highest was France, who represented about 15%. Non-sponsored public companies continued to be the dominant issuer of double B bonds in 2021, as seen was previous years. In 2021, they represented about 50% of the overall issuances. Perhaps the biggest shift and interesting trend we saw from 2021 was the rise of sponsored-backed private companies issuing WB bonds. In previous years, they only represented a mere 6% in 2020 to nearly represent a quarter of all double B deals in 2021. 2021 also saw, I suppose, the birth of uh, sustainability-linked bonds, we call them SLBs, um, on the European high-yield market. Um, what, to what extent did uh, the double B issuers get involved in that? Well, in fact, yes, 2021 was the birth of sustainability-linked bonds. And in fact, the first one was actually a double B-rated bond itself from Greek energy provider Public Power. So double B rated issuers actually had a strong showing amongst sustainably linked bonds, and they represented over half of all seen in 2021. And we expect this trend to actually continue into 2022. So out of the four ESG deals this year, two were actually double B rated, and they were from Zigo and, and WeBuild. Okay, and um, what can we expect when we look at uh, the, the covenants package of, of double B bonds right now? Uh, you know, is protection stronger or weaker than, than other bonds in the market? Well, a single B, it's important to actually clarify the difference between a single B rated uh, covenant package and what we see in double B bonds. Single B rated bonds tend to include all material covenants. These include a debt covenant, which um, regulates the incurrence of unsecured debt, a, lien, a liens covenant that regulates how much debt can be secured and what assets they can be secured and the ranking of the lien on such assets. It also contains a restricted payments covenant, which regulates value leakage. So how much dividends can be paid out to shareholders and um, repayments to junior subordinated creditors. It also regulates the amount of value leaked, leaked outside the group in, in terms of investments and permit investments also controls this as well. And finally, we also include what well, the asset sales covenant, which regulates the sale of assets and the use of proceeds from such sale. So when we actually go on to look at double um, B bonds and what um, covenants they contain, you find that double B bonds tend to emit at least one of these covenants. So in 2021, we've actually seen an improvement in covenant packages uh, from previous years. So about 40% of deals in 2020 admitted at least one of these covenants. We've seen this to reduce it down to about 30% in 2021, with again, the most popular covenant being emitted being the permitted investments one, um, then followed by asset sales and restricted payments. And the debt covenant is probably the most present in um, all double B issuances with the lease emissions. Um, also, one of the most um, important points to make is that the liens covenant and the change of control provisions have remained a staple amongst double B bond covenant packages. Thanks very much, Aaron. No problem. Thanks, Richard. As ever, there's more information on all the issues discussed in this week's podcast on our website, reorg.com. Visitors to the website can also review previous editions of this podcast alongside replays of webinars, including our most recent webinar, Russia, the Impact of Sanctions on Loan Obligations, featuring contributions from Palace Partners. 
In partnership with FT Live, Reorg will be hosting a brand new two-day Global Alternative Credit Summit on May the 4th and 5th, 2020. The event will bring together leading investors, borrowers, lenders, regulators and advisors from the US, EMEA and Asia. With more than 50 confirmed senior industry professional speakers, the agenda will look at how private credit is evolving and shaking up debt markets, assessing the key drivers behind its current rate of growth and where the industry will go from here. We'll be back soon with another Reorg Europe podcast, but until then, stay safe and thank you very much for listening.